0: Sorry, I should have told you that.
1: When our spirit is crushed, he remains strong. When our moment is too heavy, he carries the burden. As gold is refined by fire, we too are often refined by struggle. It's part of growing, changing, becoming. Lately, the journey has been difficult. Breath has
0: Church, we find ourselves, with the radio on, with feedback, we find ourselves at a place in so many parts of our lives, either as individuals, as a church, even as our our nation, we find ourselves in a bit of a turning point. In the day and age in which we live, there is much Uh, that gives us the opportunity uh, to change. Sometimes we make choices for the better. Sometimes we make choices for the worse. Sometimes we make choices to embrace the opportunity that is set before us. Or sometimes, like Jacob, we find the opportunity to run from our responsibilities. I want you to understand this morning that the scripture I read to you. I did not give you the context, and I'll give you a little bit of that now. Jacob is on the cusp of the land of promise. Jacob has been run out of town, if you'll remember. As a young man, he has uh, found himself having betrayed his brother, tricked his father. He's uh, run off because his brother wanted to kill him. And here, as he is coming back home, and he stands on the edge of the promised land, Jacob is going to have the opportunity to wrestle with God. Now, as I read that scripture this morning in the English Standard Version, it kept talking about this man, this man that wrestled with Jacob. This man was God. Jacob uh, has lived his whole life, both for the good and for the bad, up to this point. And now God wants to teach Jacob a lesson. He wants to show him that everything that he has been through, everything that he has gone through, as he has come to this crossroads, if you would, this turning point in his life, that there has been a reason and a purpose for what has happened in his life. If you know the story of Jacob wrestling with God, you know that we often say that Jacob wrestled with God and he overcame. I'm not sure that that is quite true. So let's talk about this wrestling match for one minute this morning. As Jacob wrestled with God, please take note of the fact that Jacob wrestled in the darkness. Uh, This darkness, it symbolized Jacob's whole life. It's nighttime, and his whole life seemed to be a time of darkness. He's seized with fear at the prospect of meeting his brother, who he previously had betrayed. There's a great uncertainty for the future that lays before him. Would would Jacob's brother still, Esau, be angry at him? Would that brother still want to kill him? Would his brother even recognize him after all these years had gone by? There are a lot of shady, if you would, dark things about Jacob situation. And I doubt that Jacob realized that this wrestling match that he was having with God would have ever proceeded to the battle that it became. I suspect if he knew how bad that wrestling match was going to be to have wrestled all night with God, if he had known that was what was going to happen, I suspect that Jacob would have run from this again as he'd done so many times before. If he had realized that it was going to take that much energy and that much push uh, to have a wrestling match with God, I doubt that he would have relished the opportunity to take it. But sometimes in our lives, some of the greatest fears that we have Uh, come with that same kind of darkness, that same kind of, if you would, uncertainty about the unknown that is there for us. And sometimes we go through those struggles, uh, seeming like they're going to last longer than they ever did or ever were expected to last. And for Jacob, that's how this wrestling match was. Uh, It seemed like it was going to never, if you would, end. Now, sometimes, as, as I stated earlier, we say... Uh, that Jacob wrestled with God all night, and he overcame. I want to change that thought. I want to tell you that Jacob's struggle uh, really was not one of victory, I don't believe, but rather one of survival. As you read the, the passage, you might find that Jacob won a battle, but the struggle in this wrestling match was really a mirror of his life. He hadn't won the victory. He had survived the battle. And his life It was always a battle, a challenge. Was he going to do the right thing or the wrong thing? I don't know if you've ever been in that position where a decision came your way, where you had to choose to make the right decision or the wrong decision, and you don't know what to do. It's interesting to me, I have two friends right now, both of whom are battling uh, breast cancer. They've both battled it for many, many years, uh, over over 10. I think I'm in the neighborhood of 15 or 16 for both of them. And both of them have chosen different courses uh, for their future. And I thought about that a lot. How would you determine uh, what's the right thing to do? Jacob has spent his whole life making those kind of decisions. What is the best thing to do? What's the right thing for me? What would God want me to do? What would my father want me to do? What would be the right thing to do with regard with, to my brother? You see, Jacob's life, much like our lives, has been a wrestling match his whole life. And I don't want you to miss the point of the story today as we've read it. Jacob did not walk away victorious. Jacob walked away defeated. He struggled well, that is true. But his assailant resorted to extraordinary measures in this wrestling match. In the 25th verse, it says this. When the man saw, remember the man is God, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Church, that is why I say to you, the struggle was not one of victory, but rather of defeat. After this struggle, the assailant gave himself the advantage With a supernatural, unexplainable blow, the assailant disjointed Jacob's hip. I don't know if you can imagine that pain. I cannot imagine that pain. In the midst of the struggle, Jacob encountered something he had never encountered before. He encountered someone that he could not trick. He encountered someone that he could not fool. He encountered someone who he could not overcome. He had countered someone who he could not defeat, and that someone that he was wrestling with was God. He could not defeat him. God touched the strongest joint in Jacob's body, and it shriveled up, church. Let me say that again. God touched the strongest point in Jacob's body, and it shriveled up. I could imagine that Jacob's self-confidence shriveled as well. His normal tricky, trickiness, his weapons of deception were useless at this point. They failed him in his struggle with God. What had once worked over many years in many ways uh, was useless in this struggle with God. Something now dawned on Jacob. His earlier struggles were not with Esau, his brother. His earlier struggles were not with his father, Isaac. His earlier struggles when he ran off and went to Laban, uh, his to-be father-in-law, his struggle was not with that father-in-law. His struggle was not with his family situation, which was difficult. I believe that Jacob finally realized that his great struggle was actually with God. In the 26th verse it says this, he said, that is God said, "'Let me go, for the day has broken.'" But Jacob said, and listen to what Jacob said, church, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, It is Jacob. And he said, Your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with man, and you've prevailed. Then Jacob said, Please tell me your name. And he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. Church, the struggle that Jacob had brought him out of a place of darkness to a place, if you would, of full disclosure, of full openness with God. This being with whom Jacob wrestled wanted to know his name. He wanted to know who he was. Jacob, what is your name? You know, when uh, I was in seminary, The the TV show Cheers was really big. Now, I never watched uh, an episode of Cheers, but I know the theme song. And the theme song says, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Can I tell you that God did not have to ask Jacob's name? God already knew Jacob's name, but he asks him, Jacob, what is your name? Jacob, I want you to say your name. Now, you may remember that the Old Testament points out quite often that the names of individuals tells us a little bit about their nature. And you're surely, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know that Jacob's name meant something. It meant the wily one. It meant the tripper-upper. It meant the trickster. And when God said, Jacob, what is your name? He was telling Jacob, think about it. Think about it, Jacob. What is your name? And I think Jacob got the point. His pattern of life, deceiving his brother, deceiving his father, hating his father-in-law, his pattern of life had to undergo a radical change. When this being, when God asked Jacob about his name, he was asking Jacob, listen church, to tell the truth about himself. Has God ever asked you to tell the truth about yourself? I mean the truth that maybe nobody else knows. When God gets down under and reaches into the the inner places of your soul and your being, and God deals with you, and the Holy Spirit is work, we're at work. That is what's happening with Jacob. Jacob, what is your name? You see this this person who had been so tricky, so slippery. This one who whose name had been the Heel Catcher. Remember, he grabbed his brother's uh, foot in childbirth. He had been found out. And God wanted to hear full disclosure from Jacob himself. You see, as Jacob wrestled in the darkness of life, God got out a spotlight on Jacob's life. In the middle of that wrestling match, God asked the question, Jacob, who are you really? Sometimes, church, I think it's I think there's this truth, and the truth is this. Sometimes we don't fully see who we are until we fully see who God is. And Jacob replied simply to that question, Who are you with his name? He said, My name is Jacob. He said, My name is the trickster. My name is the slippery one. My name is the wily one. Yes, God, you found me out. That's who I am. And in the 28th verse, God speaks and says to Jacob what he's wanted to say for Jacob all these years. Jacob, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. For you have wrestled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. When Jacob arrived at a place where he could fully admit Who he really was and who he really had been is when God revealed who he had made him to be and who he could become. God speaks and says, well then, Jacob, you'll no longer be called Jacob. Because now you've wrestled with God and you've wrestled with man and you've prevailed and you've admitted who you really are. Your name will no longer be the trickster, the wily one, the slippery one your name will be called Israel. You've prevailed not only with men, but you've prevailed with God, and you will be Israel, God's chosen people. You know, Israel means, church, a prince with God. A prince with God. A God-governed person. And church, pay pay real close attention to this next simple sentence because it's very important. Jacob learned that the way to have power with God was sometimes to be broken by God. You see, this wrestling match, this struggle brought Jacob to a place of total dependence upon God. You'll recall in Jacob's history that that he purchased the birthright from his brother for a bowl of porridge. You'll remember that he stole the the blessing from his father by putting on some some hair and and, and going into his father who couldn't see clearly. Jacob outwitted the schemes of his father-in-law Laban. He got the wives, he got the sheep, he left town, and in everything that Jacob did, he, was a way, he found a way to get ahead of everybody else. But church, he could not get ahead of God. When he finally admitted who he really was, is when he really realized the covenant that God had made with his father Abraham and Isaac. It was not only going to be fulfilled, not because of what Jacob could do, But now he realized it would be fulfilled because of what God could do. As Jacob makes his way to find his brother, little did he know that God had been working on his brother Esau as well. He had softened Esau's heart. He had now changed his own heart. And Jacob realized how much he needed God. In 500 years from the night that Jacob wrestled with God, the children of Israel would find themselves in exile in the land of Egypt. And they would remember that Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob had learned new things as part of the covenant with God and that this new nation that was now in exile called Israel one day would come out of Egypt and Jacob's descendants would learn Israel's ultimate victory would not come by the usual means by which nations get victory. It would not come by winning a war. It would not come by overthrowing the authorities that are. Their victory would come from the divine blessing of God. Their self-sufficiency and their selfish hearts would no longer do the trick, but faith alone would overcome the world. Do you find it interesting that Jacob stole the blessing earlier from his father? He tricked his father to getting the blessing. But now in this wrestling match with God, he asks for the blessing. You see, the struggle that Jacob had brought him to a place of decision. He struggled all night. He never admitted weakness. He only wrestled. And God weakened Jacob in that battle to the place that Jacob could only cling on to God. Jacob no longer connived. He no longer bargained. Jacob asked, give me the blessing. He said to him, the Lord let me go for the day is broken. And Jacob said, no, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Give me the blessing. And when the sun came up, As Jacob was walking away, the Bible says that he limped because of that hip. Jacob watched the sun rise with a new walk. He was broken by God. He had a limp that he now possessed that would be a constant reminder, not only of his new weakness, but of God's new power in his life. And church, that brings me to my bottom line. Jacob's greatest strength came in his weakest moment. Hear that again. Jacob's greatest strength came in his weakest moment. Because what happens in the next chapter is that Jacob does meet his brother Esau. Jacob will go out. He'll line up his family in a row. He'll go out to meet his brother Esau, who he had betrayed so many years ago. Time had passed, but he had no idea Uh, if, if Esau's anger had passed. He was utterly and totally helpless in this circumstance. And as he stepped out to meet his brother Esau, keep in mind, because of wrestling with God, he was a changed person. He walked with a limp. Can you imagine Esau looking to see his brother making his way to him with a different walk, with a different way about him? And as he walked with that limp to meet his brother, he walked church by faith. He walked by faith that the one with whom he had wrestled spiritually would see him through this encounter he was about to have with one who wanted to wrestle with him physically. And he lifted up his eyes off in the distance. And I want you to imagine what he saw as he's limping and making his way behind this great line of his, uh, of his family. As he's limping, he looks up and he looks to see his brother Esau running to him. Church, Jacob's greatest strength came in his weakest moment. That's a truth of the Bible. God shows his power in the places of incredible weakness. In the New Testament, Paul would write these words. For the sake of Christ, I'm content with weakness, insult, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak then am I strong. Did you get that? What Paul said, when I'm weak as a Christian, then I'm strong. When they gathered around that day when Jesus was placed upon the cross of Calvary, I want you you to be assured that it looked as if Jesus was in his weakest moment. But church, that death upon the cross was the greatest act of power and authority that God could ever display to the world. He took the sin of the world upon his himself. He took the sickness of the world upon himself. He took all of the sorrow of the world upon himself. And in that moment, with the blood pouring down out of his body, instead of revealing weakness, church, Jesus re- revealed incre- incredible strength. Because church, this is true. God's greatest strength for the Christian Is revealed in our weakest moments you know I imagine that some of us here today might be looking at life with the idea that things can't get any worse than they currently are for us don't fail to see what God can do in that situation God changes circumstances God changes situations but he needs us to do our part are we at a crossroads does it seem like we've been struggling forever Church, I want to tell you something. In our weakest moment is when God does his greatest work. Whatever our struggle may be, we need to choose are we going to come out of it bitter or are we going to come out of it better? In church, God does his greatest strength in the place of weakness. Out of sin, God gives forgiveness. Out of death, God gives life. Let me ask you a question. Have you given your struggle to him? Have you considered that maybe that's, just like Jacob, why he brought you to the crossroads in your life right now? It, could it be that you're where you are because he wants you to give that struggle and that battle to him? I know I've quoted Paul already, but I want to I read one passage of Scripture this morning, and I'll close with this. It's the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 10. It's quite a, quite a reading there, 10 verses, but listen close, because it illustrates the point this morning that our strength is revealed in our weakest moments. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 10, these words, I could go on boasting, but there's nothing to be gained by it. I may go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago who was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Just so you know, what's he talking about? We believe he's talking about when he was stoned to near death. Saying, I I knew a man 14 years ago who who was in such a state that he was near death, in the body or out of the body. Nobody knows, only God knows. And he said, "I, I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know, God knows. And he heard things and was told things that no man can utter. And he says, on behalf of this man, I could boast. But I will not boast. And then then here's where we're headed to, church. He says, Except in my weaknesses. Because if I would wish to boast, I would be a fool. I'd be speaking the truth, but I'd be a fool. I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that God had given to him, Paul says this, A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from coming to be conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Have you ever been there? I mean, have you ever had that thorn in the flesh, that something that comes along, that hinders your walk, that hinders your moving forward, that seems to be dragging you down, and you've prayed about it, and you've prayed about it, and you've prayed about it? it? That's where Paul is. He says, I've got a lot I could boast about, but the Lord gave me this thorn in the flesh, and he allowed this messenger of Satan to work on me, and I prayed to God about it. But it didn't leave me. But he said God spoke to him, and I want you to hear what God said to him. In the ninth verse, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Church, listen. Jacob wrestled with God all night. He wrestled to the point where all he could do was cling on. And sometimes in our life we have to wrestle with God. Sometimes in our life we find that that we get to the point where we have to, to, to pray and ask God like Paul did. Lord, take this from me. And it seems like God doesn't answer. But what God is really truly saying is, My grace is sufficient for your situation. And my power will be made perfect in your weakness. Even as when they thought I was dead on the cross and they placed me in a grave and they thought that it was over. My grace will be sufficient for you and my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. And so Paul says, therefore I will glory in my sufferings. I will glory in my shame. I will glory in the trials and I order that the power of Christ can be made perfect in me. As Jacob walked around, he limped out of that wrestling match and he's limping towards his brother and he looks up and his brother comes running. In church, on down in history, the covenant is fulfilled. The blessing is given and the people of Israel find themselves God's people Out of weakness, out of weakness, God revealed his strength in Jacob's life. I'm going to finish with this, I really am. For some of us, the weakest thing we think we could ever do is admit our need for someone greater than ourselves. I can do this. That seems to be our motto. I can do this. Church, there's one thing we cannot do for ourselves, and that is pay for our sin. And that requires us to admit our need. That requires us to become weak before God and to say, Lord, I now recognize that I cannot do what I need to do, and it's all up to you. And it is when we are in that weakest point that we could be, when we finally arrive at that place where we admit our utter need for God, that our greatest strength is revealed because God will come into your life. He'll forgive your sin. And just like that song said before we preached this morning, greater is he that is in the Christian than he that is in the world. Jesus will come into your life and use your weakness for his glory and he will strengthen your walk for his honor and he will make you a vessel unto God instead of a vessel unto yourself like Jacob had been before he admitted his own weakness."